0: what's going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the deer gear podcast i'm your host cameron durr and on today's episode i am joined by aaron blisey now aaron has had an absolutely phenomenal year in 2021 and he is now making a switch from primarily a tree stand hunter to getting into saddle hunting and it's an interesting conversation because He tried saddle hunting in 2010, 2011, and absolutely hated it. Went back to using a hang-on stand primarily, and now he is adding saddle hunting into his toolbox, so to speak. So it's a good conversation. You get a perspective from someone that has tried it before, went back to hunting out of a hang-on stand and now is messing around with saddle hunting again. So we talk about why he switched initially and why he's wanting to get back into it and the setup that he's going to be using. So it's a really good conversation. I'm fresh off the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, 10 days of just a really good time talking to people. So if you stop by and talk to us at exodus we are super grateful for that and everyone that came by and was kind of talking to me about the podcast and what what's coming from from me i really appreciate you guys tuning in and for everyone that stopped by can't say thank you enough. Please share this stuff with a friend. We're trying to get the word out. Also, the, the podcast episodes with Dorge about arrows, something that everybody needs to be hearing. So share it with a buddy. I truly, truly appreciate that. Also, uh, quick housekeeping here with what's going on at Exodus. We still have great savings available for the Exodus render or any Exodus render bundle. You can save 15% off of any Exodus Render or Render Bundle package. So great savings. These savings do not come very often. We discount this product probably three times a year at best. So if you are interested in trying out the Exodus Render 4G LTE Verizon Certified Cell Camera, now is a really great time to get it out in the field, test it out, and make sure it is what you need for next hunting season. So use the code SHOWTIME. That's all caps SHOWTIME on our website at checkout, and you can save 15%. So with that being said, let's hear from Aaron Blysee about his transition into saddle hunting. All right, everyone, I am back in the saddle, and on today's podcast, I have the host of the fall podcast and his name is Aaron Blasey. If you're familiar with Exodus then you're probably listening to this and if you're familiar with Exodus you probably are familiar with the fall podcast. So today I have Aaron Blasey on with me. Aaron how's it going man?
1: Good man I love the shirt you're rocking it. (laughs) Yeah I had to
0: take advantage of that Hunter's Box Club deal you had going on there.
1: I like it. I haven't even got my shirt yet. I've got the other version that I do, but uh, I haven't got my Hunter's Bosch Club yet. Should be coming in the mail any day.
0: Yeah, they're pretty, pretty, pretty sweet shirts. Yeah. Um, for anyone that may not be familiar with you, give yourself a quick introduction.
1: Oh man, um, quick. I'm a pretty complex person. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Quick intro. Uh, For the last 10 years, going on 11 now, I've been a a television producer in the outdoor space. Uh, I've edited and produced over 120 original episodes on Outdoor and Sportsman Channel together. Um, I work for Worldwide Trophy Adventures with Mark Peterson on a day job. Um, So I get to travel around with Mark and uh and film him and and edit his digital stuff and then a little bit of the linear stuff the last 10 years before this venture I've been working for the Kiefer brothers um and been chasing those guys around the country for 10 years and having having a blast doing it man but now here you know I've started a podcast uh I'm in my fourth year right now the fall podcast like you said and I just love sitting down like guys like yourself and just bsing about awesome stuff. Dear.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you have um, you travel the world with a bunch of guys hunting a bunch of different species, but you're a whitetail guy at heart. And um, I had the chance to be on your podcast, and as we got talking, there was a couple things you said that kind of shocked me a little bit, and I was like, okay, I need to get <laughs> it, I need to get him on and talk. So, um, Aaron, how old are you?
1: I'm 34.
0: Okay, so you're 34 years old, and in that podcast that we had, you said you were saddle hunting in 2010, 2011. And when you yeah. said that, I was like, I don't even know saddle hunting was a thing. <laughs> like, I knew I know that John Eberhart says he's been doing it for 40 years, but like for other people, for someone as young as you to say that you were saddle hunting in 2010, 2011, I was like, okay, I got to learn more about this. So, yeah, t- kind of talk me a little bit about. Um, Initially, why you got started in saddle hunting in 2010, 2011. What was the draw?
1: You know, um, to first and foremost, John Eberhardt lives, you know, eight miles from me. So, and he still does. So, I've known of John for a very long time since I was little. But honestly, I'll be lying to you if I said I knew he was a saddle hunter for a long time. I didn't. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm looking down at my recorder and making sure my levels are good. So, <laughs> um, no, honestly, A buddy of mine that knew John had a saddle, and he had the original Trophy Line Ambush saddle. And we were at his house one day, and I was like, "Let me get in that thing, you know." And it's new. That's the first time I've ever seen or heard of anything like that. And uh, this was two thousand, around two thousand nine into two thousand ten. And I'm like, man, this is kind of different. And then he gave me his sales pitch. And I was like, well, my my biggest draws to it were I thought I could be more efficient and quieter and a better hunter with a saddle than a lock-on. And I was completely wrong. (laughs) I will say that. Um, So I bought my first saddle in 2010, going into the 2010 season from John. It was... Uh, a trophy line ambush and looking back on it it was bulky it was big I didn't like the bridge Um, it it just they're just not advanced they weren't advanced to the point they are now Um, and I dabbled with it in 2010 where I I basically say dabbled I hunted a few times out of it was like eh, okay Um, but then hunted it with a lock on. And then it took my buddy saying, you have to throw away the lock on and you have to give this a shot, like full force, go into it. And John gave me like a crash course on how to use it. Like the ring of steps, how to tie it up, where to tie your tether at. Um, and those weren't even, those weren't even terms that I feel like I don't even think he was using, you know, he may have been, but it was just like, here, there's, here's this rope. It goes around the tree, which is your tether now. And, uh, I cut, so it ha- came with leg straps. It came with like a full body harness. I cut everything off of it, everything. Cause it was so heavy and so, uh, just cumbersome. And, um, I hunted 2011 and 2012 exclusively with a saddle and then was to the point where I was like, no, I'm sorry, 2010 and 2011, I hunted exclusively. And then I was like, nope, I'm, I'm done with this. I can't do it and got rid of it. So. so
0: was it, it was just too heavy or what was the biggest reason you were like, okay, this isn't for me?
1: Not gonna lie to you. I, I wounded a lot of deer out of mm-hmm. it. I, um, I, I probably shot, I don't even know the number. I'll say six deer, hit every one of them high or missed them. Um, I felt like I practiced a lot with it. I was getting very frustrated. Um, and it got to the point where it was like, okay, just go back to what you know and what you've done your whole life in a tree stand and like get back to the basics and get like your feet under you again, because I couldn't, I wasn't ethical with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And there was no, there was no, uh, information out there, but forums. And I wasn't a forum guy. Um, you know, if, if we had what we had now with YouTube and all that, I think it'd have been a different story. I will say to sit two or three hours in it, it was great to sit a full day in it was like terrible. Like I yeah. remember sitting, trying to sit two full days with it. And it just, it just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Honestly, that's, that's the best way I can put
0: it. And you were using a ring of steps at that time.
1: Yeah, and I know John loves a ring of steps and hates platforms. I hate a ring of steps.
0: Yeah, I've (laughs) talked to a few people that um, I actually had John on the podcast, and he's like, he's never going to change his ways. He has his system, and it works for him, and he's never going to change, and he believes wholeheartedly that a ring of steps is the only way to go. And um, I've talked to some people that after that recording, they were like, man, I've tried to take john's advice and go to the ring of steps and it just it's not it's not the way to go the way the platforms are these days today you can have the same benefits of a ring of steps way more comfortable by using a platform um so yeah that what ring of steps were you using do you know
1: i was using literally like cranford screwing steps okay he taught me to use screwing steps and i think they're cranfords or whatever they're just screwing steps i did a ring of steps And then a lot of the trees I was prepping, you know, John was big with uh, like railroad spikes or pole barn spikes. I'd go in with a, with a pilot and I would drill in trees and it was all private land. It's all private that we owned. I've never hunted public. Um, And I would run spikes and I could take you to trees right now, still have spikes in and that my dad would look at and be like, are you kidding me right now? You know, he never really (laughs) knew I was doing that, but it like, you know, back then that was, that was 12 years ago that, I mean... I was young. It was like just, I was in college. It was, you know, there really wasn't the options of like these, you know what I mean? It was like $50 ladder sticks from a sportsman's guide or something like that. And if you're a member, you get them for $32.95, you know? So it was like, and I'm not going to tote all those in there because that that just defeated the purpose. So I just did a lot of them screw-ins even to climb the tree. And then, but I'll tell you, man john's got a system down and that's what he's known since the 80s it's just like you and i would have a system down with a lock-on you know it's no different so i'm not going to change anything with my lock-on setup just like he wouldn't with a saddle setup so for me when i got to a tree and for how long it took me to get up that tree and put a whole ring of steps around it it was a pain in the ass and i just i didn't like it
0: yeah i i think i used like actual screwing steps like one time in my life and I was like, these are the dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. used. Like, they're just yep. a pain and then you think you get it set in there and you step on it and it twists and I just, I never liked them. They're heavy. You got to carry them mm-hmm. around and they don't pack well. Like, I don't know. I just, I never liked them and for that same reason, I never used an actual ring of steps. I know there's like the squirrel steps. Uh, Cranford has um, the scaffolding steps now for saddle hunters. And everyone that I talked to about those still say they're heavy, they're metal, yeah. they're loud. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm always gonna use a platform. But yeah, you went from saddle hunting 2010, 2011, hated it. What'd you switch to after that?
1: I went back to lock-ons, man, and it wasn't even a run and gun thing. I was not, I was not mobile until about three or four years ago. Like actually actually three years ago, three seasons ago, it was like, I'm going to do full hang and hunt. I still do some set stands, um, in, in certain locations, but I went back to set stands. I would spend the summer, the spring and the summer setting up spots like everybody else out there does. And I just went back to hang ons and, when I started that in 2012, I shot a great buck with my bow. I missed a really good buck on my bow. Um, shot one in 13 and 14. And then from then on, it was like, you know, once you have that little confidence boost again, it's like, yeah, I'm not going back. You know, right. and it's like this, I've got my system down just like John does with his saddle. So, yeah, that, that's what I went back to. And, and, um, yeah, I haven't looked back until. Until this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that uh, before we get into that, when you decided to go more mobile with your lock-on um, stands, did you see your success change at all? Were, were you more successful? Was it the same? So
1: I always tell guys, like, I've always had, like, I called a hybrid of a hang and hunt. I'll do set stands. Like, when I went out to Iowa, I set a couple set stands, but then knowing I have a set that I can move at any time. If I see a deer do something, I'm I'm getting mobile. You know, I'm gonna move. Um, so that was kind of like my hybrid. It was never like put a stand on my back, go in, hang it, bring it down, do it again. Until about three years ago. Um, but yes, I have like my Iowa deer, the Great Hambino. I killed that deer because I was mobile. Uh, if I saw him at a distance for two days. And made a move and he came by me at three o'clock in the afternoon the next day and i shot him and if i wasn't you know didn't have that mobile thought process or wasn't mobile i probably am not saying i wouldn't have killed him but you know i had good success there um I'm trying to think this year my ohio buck 100 because i was mobile went into an area i've never been scouted it hung the stand killed him that night uh, Illinois deer, kind of the same thing, but it was a pre hung stand, but I've never hunted that location. And then my Michigan deer this year was ground spot stock. Like you like to do on the ground. And, um, so yeah, I was mobile on that as well, but I love having the freedom to know I can go and do whenever, whatever, whenever I want. That is, that is freedom, man. That is like, I love that feeling. There's no stress to me. And I can go like the deer I shot in Michigan this year. I saw him two days before I killed him and I saw him in a field and I had a Hilo stand in my truck from Novix. And I'm like, I'm going to get around him. I'm going to go set it, get it. And I, I went in it, got in it, set it, set it up, got in it. And that, that the doe he was with, and he had a satellite buck with him, walked underneath of me and he didn't. And mm. I'm like, well, I put myself in a good situation, but before not being able to have a mobile setup to do that, that I would have never had that possible opportunity. So yes, I would agree with you. Yeah. Like, or I would say, yes, it, it has made me more successful.
0: Yeah. I think that's the biggest draw to me. Um, I mean, it's, it's a progression for everyone, right? So mm-hmm. everyone kind of starts in uh, stationary stands, set stands, ladder stands, hang on stands. And then you're like, okay, now I want, um, I want to be able to put it in a tree. Maybe they go to a climber or they go to a light hang on setup, And then um, you might feel yourself in like, okay, you have the set stands down. I know what what to do here. I have this mobile stand thing kind of set up. I know what to do there. But if that's your only two tricks, you're going to find yourself in scenarios where deer are unkillable. And I've talked to countless people that are like, yeah, you just can't kill that deer. And you can't kill that deer the way you're hunting. Right. If you, if you have some other tricks up your sleeve, if you're willing to be mobile, if you're willing to hunt on the ground or hunt in a saddle, or maybe it is where a situation where you only hunt preset stands and you don't have a mobile setup and there's a deer doing the same thing three days in a row. If you don't have that confidence that you can go hang a stand quietly, efficiently and get in there and kill that deer. Yeah. That deer is unkillable. So there's like a progression as you go there. And if you, I personally believe if you don't have all three tricks or all four tricks in your bag, you're going to have those situations where you're just, yeah, you, you can't kill that deer.
1: A hundred percent. And to go further on that, it takes for me anyway. And I feel like it takes a lot of hunters to get out of their own way because it took me a long time. It was like, I grew up being a set stand guy. Like, that's how things were done around here. That's how I was taught. You go to this stand and that's where you hunt. So now having the ability to do it, like having the confidence to just go try to do it on the ground, that is, that is like gold. It is awesome. I will say in 2019, the year I went to Iowa, I had the, I had the biggest deer on camera I've ever had in Michigan. He went in the low 150s. And I had him in daylight for the first couple of weeks of October, like hitting a food plot, could not get in there with the stand or with, with a stand with the wind he was coming in. So I did something I never thought I'd do. I went in and popped up on the ground. Like I just got in the weeds right next to the, he never showed up, but to ha- to, to get over the hump to have, be like, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. It didn't happen that night, but it will happen. Like, You got to be able to be like, get out of your own way. You know, there's, I did it with my Michigan deer this year. I saw him with a doe. I have a stand 200 yards from him. And I'm like, well, I'll go get in that stand. He'll come by me today. And then when I was walking to get in position, I'm like, screw that. I'm going to him. I'm going to go kill him. That was my whole thought process. And I did, I got to 25 yards and the rest is history. So well, it wasn't history. It took me 48 hours, but, uh, <laughs> we won't go into that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. I mean, you have to have co- confidence is key number one and you have to, um, you have to have the ability to do and change and adapt. If you, if you're not, you're going to be in a situation that you don't want to be in. Um, yep. so what was your go-to, uh, hang and bang set, so to speak, that, that Hilo set that you, uh, hung, what was your yeah. setup there?
1: So these sticks right here, these minis from Novix, they're the single. Um, these things are awesome. I do have cableators that I don't have on these ones because I have another set of these. But these are 17 inches. Um, they are. I wrote everything down because I weighed everything. Um, they're 17 inches for the singles. They're 1.2 pounds. The one when I weighed them, they were a little different than the website, not far off, but 1.2 pounds per. For four sticks, it'd be around five pounds, right in there. I only use three sticks all year. Um, that Hilo is right around ten pounds, so I was pretty light. Uh, it was great. It's it's an awesome stand. Um, I have nothing bad to say about it at all. I love the profile when it's on your back; it doesn't like jet out from your body, so you're not clanging. It's like really sleek with you. And I'm not a big guy, so um, you're not like hitting everything. I love that setup. Uh, but there was times where I'm like, want to go deeper and deeper and yes, being 15 pounds isn't a lot, but you have, a, you had a pack on, I think my whole pack and everything set up bow camera. I would think I was around 26 pounds with the stand and everything. I was like, man, if I want to go deep, like I found myself just like dogging it and I should probably work out a little bit more, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, this is where it, when a saddle would be probably pretty good because it'd be a little less, uh, Cumbersome,
0: <laughs> yeah. Instead of shaving that seven pounds off your body, you can shave it off the stand and you're good to go,
1: right? Because for me, the fall is bulking season for the winter, so I like to eat, eat, eat because you know it gets cold,
0: so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so real quickly, give me a short synopsis of the season that you had in 2021 because it was like one for the books. And hearing having you tell this, people are going to be like, Why in the heck? Is he trying to switch anything up? Because, like, wh- why would you need to change? So, give everyone kind of a synopsis of what happened in 2021 for you. So, t- coming
1: into 2021, I'm, I'm building a house, still building it right now, but I'm physically doing it. My dad and I are. So, my whole thing was I had an Illinois trip and I had an Ohio trip planned that were gonna be the Ohio trip was gonna be 11 days, and the Illinois trip was gonna be like seven days. Those were going to be my hunting. Around here in Michigan, it was just like an afterthought. If I could get out around building my house, then I would. Um, little did I know, I would kill three bucks in 13 sits in three different states. Um, you know, Illinois, I had to work for it a little bit. It was like early October. I killed him on October 13th. And uh, I went in actually after a different deer. This deer showed up, and I'm a bird in the hand guy rather than two in the bush. I mean, he was a great deer, four year old. Awesome came out and I shot him went to Ohio on the 26th. did a whole bunch of scouting after a rain came through Set a stand killed one first night came home on November 3rd my target buck that I've been chasing for two years I saw him two days before I killed him with a doe and he stayed with that doe for two days and he actually ended up on me and I was actually took my daughter to school And I was doing a scouting mission, saw him locked down with a doe, chasing three other bucks off him, and I snuck in on some standing corn and got close enough and killed him. And that was my season. Uh, And my season ended up on – I did hunt a couple more times before November 15th, our gun season. Got close in Michigan on a good Pope and Young. On November 8th or 9th, one of those two days, on a hanging hunt, threw a dart at the wall, literally – Uh, in between two cedar swamps, but I was about 40 yards off, had a buck come out and uh, couldn't get it done. That would have been my second buck tag for Michigan. But honestly, man, I sat 13 times this year and out of the 11, 11 out of the 13 sits, I saw a shooter, a shooter buck. Um, So (laughs) absolutely incredible. (laughs) But I will say this is the first year that I went exclusively like hang and hunt. Um, So back to your earlier, earlier question, I was more successful in the fact that I was in the game a lot. I mm-hmm. saw a lot more shooters. Um, so yes, I've, I've killed a lot of good bucks on, I shouldn't say a lot, but a few good bucks on different methods. But I'm seeing my success and as far as sightings and harvest amplify more like three in a year when I'm more, like you said, adaptable and more confident and just like going and going with your instinct, I always say the best deer hunters are the people that can adapt on the fly, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah, I like it, but like in my mind, I hear that and like, okay, what do you need to change? Like, uh, well,
1: I'm a gear nut though too, and like, I don't know about you, but January when season's over, this is when I'm like gear freak. Like, let's go. Like, I just ordered a brand new set of arrows. I'm going heavier this year. Um, I custom made arrows and. I'm excited those are going to be here soon. So like, but when January is over, my gear like kind of goes down, so it's like a hard month of gear and then it's like I won't pick anything up until after turkey season. So yeah, that's just the way I am, I guess.
0: I'm the same way, and that's why I have this podcast platform here. I just <laughs> I love gear and I get kind of yeah, kind of the same method there. Like once season ends, I'm like, "Okay, what can I do differently?" Um and then turkey season comes around. I'm I love turkey hunting, mm-hmm. and then like yep august september again i'm like oh i need to hone in my setup so yeah um all right so you go from the best season you've ever had hanging and hunting and then i talked to you uh recently and you're trying to get back into saddle hunting so um adding a little bit more mobility more adaptability um what is your saddle setup looking like going into 2022 as of right now
1: yeah so before I guess I do answer that I I don't think I fully answer your question about why I'm changing to me it's just another tool in the tool bag just like a a contractor he's got a sledgehammer for one he's got a, a finish hammer for another and another hammer for you know framing a saddle is just a framing you know what I mean it's just like another one of those tools not gonna say i'm fully going saddle because i'm not i love my helo and i'm gonna use that for the applications but i'm also gonna use this setup so what i'm gonna do is i've got the stuff right here i'm going with a trophy line covert light saddle um i'll hold it up but it's just a lot here so a covert light i'm going with um i've got two platforms two trophy line platforms the the mission platform and then the other one the smaller one the edp i'm gonna try both of them out uh i know you've been you've used both of them haven't you yeah i'll I'll be interested to get your thoughts on it because i've got all this gear within the last month and a half so i haven't been able to hunt out of it yet but i have gotten a tree and just like swung around a little bit so I haven't really played with it in a hunting scenario yet. So that's why I'm like really geeking out about it. But I could see a use for both platforms. The reason why I like the mission the most and the mission's the bigger one is because it's got these little cutouts in here for these mini sticks. Mm. So it, they're packable. And I think to my knowledge all the research i've done the only saddle platforms that have the ability to stack sticks on them are the mission and the lone wolf custom gear maybe i can't remember but i can take those sticks and they stack right here and here i put a strap over them and i'm good you know what i mean that that's key to me like i can hold all of it right there um it's not i like i said i weighed everything so you know, the missions, my mission is 5.3 pounds. It's 17.9 by 13.8 inches, you know, like long and wide. Um, My favorite thing, like I said, is the cutouts. The EDP is smaller. It's 3.9 pounds and it's 13 and a half by 13 deep. I love the handle on it. I wish the mission had a handle on it, but that's just me being me, I guess, because I could see myself attaching the sticks to my mission and just holding on to them instead of putting it on my pack if i want and dude that's only i'm gonna run three sticks so i'm looking at um probably four pounds with the sticks three to four pounds and then i'm gonna run the mission if i run the mission that's five pounds that's less than 10 pounds you know what i mean that in one hand the bow and then i've got because i you know like i don't know if you do a lot of filming when you're hunts either but I film, so I got a camera arm, all that stuff that goes in my pack. That, to me, that's a no-brainer. Like, that's killer. And I'm going to run three sticks, like I said, but I've got cableators that I'm running. Uh, I ran those all year, 17-inch sticks with cableators. I could get 17 feet if I wanted to, which yeah, is all, all I need. need to be. Yep. Yeah.
0: That sounds like a really good setup. So I'll give you my um, experiences with both of those platforms. So the... Um, I pack my stuff in differently. So that's going to play a big role in a lot of my decisions the, I'm using the Sitka tool belt pack, which is kind of a lot like trophy lines, plateau pack. And I stack my sticks on the bottom of the pack. So my, my sticks okay. are taken care of. Um, and then I take the platform and I wear it like it's a hang on stand backpack straps on my back. The mission platform is extremely uncomfortable to do that with. there's like a hump on there and it digs in your back so what i ended up doing was i put the hamper on the tool belt so that has like the um backpack straps and it's like a pack and i would just strap the mission to the outside of that just like you would um your bow to your pack just strap it to it so -hmm. that's kind of how i ran the mission and i hunted with it a bunch and i thought that i wanted the bigger platform because i was like oh, i want to be able to get around the tree It just was a little bit too much. Um, Really? Okay. Yeah, it just, it was, I didn't need all of it. I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It just was like, okay, it's almost six pounds. You're getting into that area with like, I can get a hang on tree stand for six and a half pounds. So there was like, um, it's just a little bit overkill. So rock solid, doesn't move really comfortable, especially for, um, all day sits. And that's the reason I kept the mission was because for all day sits, I like having the extra room, but I switched last year to the EDP. And, um, it's still a little overbuilt, like it's rock solid. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of material there in a small platform. So it's a little bit heavier than it probably needs to be. But that platform for me was absolutely like money, one I do really like the handle because yep. I strap that handle to my pack. So I use a gear tie and I gear tie that to my pack and when I climb up the tree I can just reach back, untwist that and I have it in my hand mm-hmm. and I can hang it. My sticks are right here on my like the lower back lumbar. So my sticks are there. Untie one at a time, hang them. So the way that I the way that I pack my stuff in, having the ability to put my sticks on the platform wasn't as big of a deal. Because my goal with my setup was I want to be hands-free other than my bow. So as I'm walking in, if I find myself in a scenario where, okay, I'm not going to get in a tree stand or I'm not going to hang this saddle, I'm going to hunt on the ground, I don't want to have anything else in my hand. I want everything else to be packed. So I'm walking through the woods and I have my bow. And if something happens, something gets crazy, I can just shoot. I don't have to set my sticks down or anything like that. So... That was kind of the reason why I went with the pack that I went with. Um, I do do a little bit of self-filming, but um, it's not like a super high production value deal. Like I'm, I'm using a Lone Wolf Custom Gear pocket arm and a um, Sony a7 III. And that, both of those fit in my tool belt. So I put those in the tool belt. I put extra um layers and stuff in the hamper section of that pack then it has two built-in dump pouches they're water bottle holders but basically they're dump pouches on the side of the pack so i eliminate the dump pouches from my saddle so i just have those built right on my pack so it's it's a really uh, minimalist setup and for a lot of guys it's not going to work because that pack doesn't offer the ability to bring in a lot of stuff because it's small. It's an oversized fanny pack. Yep. So if, if you're taking a lot of camera gear and stuff with you, it's not the right system. But if you can get away with it, and my goal was to use a pack small enough that didn't allow me to bring us unnecessary things. So I didn't want to, I was like, oh, I have this big pack. Yep. I can bring this and this and this. Okay, I don't need it. What, what I need are the essentials. Um, I need a grunt tube. I need my camera, and if I need rattling antlers, I put them on um, my belt, on like just stuck them in my saddle. So everything that I was doing was because I wanted to take less and less and less, and I wanted to be smaller, lighter, more efficient, and that was all with the goal in mind of if I don't find the right tree, I'm not like, oh, what do I do? I just hunt on the ground, and then yep. I don't have anything extra. I can hunt with that pack on at that point, or I can just slip it off and I'm hunting and I don't have anything else to carry. One thing I will say, with the uh, the EDP, with that handle, you could still strap those sticks to it and carry it. I, I
1: figured there was a way I could do it.
0: I did it last year to, like, pack out because I, I, okay. I had just shot a buck, and I had all this stuff with me, and that's what I did. I just strapped that and carried it, carried my bow in one hand, and I was good. So that is a really nice um, advantage with that with that platform. And one other thing that I, I need to note is I have really small feet, so the EDP is a good size for me. If you have, like, size 13 feet, size 14 feet, the EDP is probably going to be a little small. So is the um, the Tethered Phantom, like, all those or the Predator. All those small platforms, if you have giant feet, it's going to be uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I, I'm at size 10, and... My buddy has a mission and he used the mission all year this year and he went to Kansas on a public land hunt and when I came home and I had these two platforms he's like let me look at that little one he said the same thing that hit that the big platform was kind of a pain in the ass to take deep in public land and we're only talking the difference of like 2 pounds you know yeah. what i mean but it's like really like it's that big of a difference so next year i'm definitely going to try both and i really wish that the smaller one had the ability to like with those little grooves on there so the sticks would fit in perfect but at the end of the day it's not that big a deal my pack is a kafaru hellcat Mm -hmm. which i've always used i think like you were talking like it's like a lumbar pack Mm -hmm. um so it's like a like you said an oversized fanny pack i think mine's just over 1200 cubic like inches or i can't remember how they equate it a lot of mollies on it i love it um and yes i think with my pack has like the two um straps that go down and like brace it so i think i can put that platform almost like they do the tethered uh the tethered backpack or whatever i think i could strap it to that that was my plan i just haven't played with it much
0: yeah that's exactly what i do with the uh the tool belt with the hamper. They call it a hamper. Um, But without having anything in that hamper, that mission digs into your back. Okay. a little trick to do with that, if you go to, like, a a sporting goods store and you see those, like, stadium seats, you can put that on the back of the stadium seat and then cut it out to where it's even with that... um, groove or whatever that's digging into your back and it eliminates that and you can use that for like knee pads or knee cushion or support so it's not like you're taking something you don't need so it solves kind of two problems
1: yeah and there was a couple things when you talk about knee pads there's a couple accessories that I'm going to try like back when I first started saddle hunting I did do knee pads but I cheaped out I went and got like cheap painters knee pads or something like that and they were just they looked stupid you just looked like a dummy you know what i mean and it's like (laughs) you're wearing this thing you i i feel like everybody like thinks that saddles get a bad name right now you should have saddle hunted back 12 years ago when (laughs) that literally was like nobody has ever it was like there there was aliens here you know and it's like what are you what are you doing like people looking at you like this is weird you know if there was social media back then oh man like it would (laughs) have been bad real bad but um um Knee pads, I'm definitely going to try this year. I don't know if I want to do the knee pads or do the pad that goes around the tree. I feel like, I don't know, I have like some, some uh, like a thermo seat, like seat, like I might make my own or something like that, uh, just cut it to size and then... I just don't like the fact of having knee pads on. I just I feel like it restricts me for some reason. I just feel weird. I feel out of place. Like they, so that's my whole thing on knee pads. Not saying I'm not gonna try them. I'm gonna try them, but we'll see. The back band though for all day sits. I definitely want to get a back band for like a backrest. Um, the pouches. So I don't know what to think about pouches on the saddle yet. Um, they're nice especially for the lineman's rope because i want to keep my lineman's rope attached at all times so definitely having this pouch which is you know just a dump pouch that's basically like a water bottle pouch i will keep that but this bigger one and what you hear is these this is one thing i don't like the zippers not really keen on that i'm going to take some neoprene and um, cut it to size and then just melt it on there so you don't get that but like i don't know what to think about the pouches you gotta have them, I feel like, in some aspect, because I don't like having ropes and shit all over me and getting them out of my bag, and, like, I hate that. I just like having everything easy to get to, you know, so I'm gonna play with that, I guess.
0: I might have a solution. Um, well, number one, to, to your point, John Eberhardt <laughs> says, uh, Hates pouches. Yeah, you'll never see someone that's been saddle hunting for twenty years using pouches. And he like he gave his uh, he gave his reasoning for that, and I I didn't really agree with it. He said like when you stop moving, they keep moving, and it's something you can pick out. And I was like, I get that, but you got to be moving like ten miles an hour for it to keep swinging. Right. You got to be moving pretty violently. But um, so with your dump pouches, one thing that I do, I do have one. I have it on my left side. 'Cause that's my lineman's rope. But what ropes are you using? Are you using um do you know what millimeter rope they are?
1: It's a three point eight, it's uh or the three eighths rope. I I don't know what millimeter that is. I'm not deep into the saddle community right now yet. So um <laughs> let me see. It's the, <sighs> okay.
0: This so this is the,
1: the Lyman's lineman's rope. That's or probably the,
0: yeah that's probably ten millimeter. Um if you upgrade your ropes to an eight millimeter rope, you can put your tether and your lineman's rope in the same like pouch. Like the bridge,
1: or like the tether.
0: Yeah, it would be. Um, yeah, that's that's eight millimeter. If yep. you if you use eight millimeter on both, you can put both um, ropes in the same pouch, and just have your lineman's rope on top, your tether on the bottom. So when you pull your lineman's rope out, you have that and your tether's left. So then you pull that out and you're good. So you only need one um on my if i had the other dump pouch i don't because of my pack has it but what i did with that is i have it on my right side and i cut a hole in the bottom of it and i use a retractable gear hoist and i put that in that dump pouch so it lives there because it's kind of big i use that doyle's hunting hoist i just bought one they're kind of big right they're they're a little bit big but if you put it somewhere that it lives there forever, um, it doesn't have the ability to clang up against the tree because it's not on the outside of my saddle. I just yep. cut a hole in that dump pouch and that lives there. So it's always on my right side. So um that is that's kind of what I'm doing with that. And I would say the first thing that you should do with your ropes is upgrade to eight millimeter ropes. Um okay. they're I use uh, Oplux, and I know um, Latitude just came up with their own. It's their—I don't know what material it is, but it's designed for saddle hunting. Um, a bunch of other companies have eight millimeter ropes that are great, but the biggest benefit there is it packs down into like the size of your fist. When you are using those ten, eleven, thirteen millimeter ropes, they're big and bulky, and they're just—I oh, mean, it's, it's unnecessary. Yeah. So that's one thing that I would say. The second thing uh, on the knee pad deal, so. I'm going to um, I'm gonna say what I do with my knee pads. the reason why I always use them. I also I use knee pads in a way that um, I'll either wear the knee pads in or I have pants that have built-in knee pads, which I really like those. Um, but the reason I will always wear knee pads is because I'm a sitter in the tree. okay, And I like to have those knee pads on rather than having to carry in that extra cushion. I don't want to carry in extra stuff. I know. I I don't either. But if I don't saddle hunt and I hunt on the ground, the knee pads help there too.
1: Oh, I could see that.
0: Yeah. So so that's why I always wear knee pads because if I'm sitting on my knees or I'm crawling, I want to have my knee pads. um, I want to have them on for that reason. They help both. They help with both things. But... I want to have them on more for the fact that if I'm going to hunt on the ground, I have knee pads and then I can sit comfortably. Because one of the things with sitting on the ground, you have to be really still because you're at eye level, mm-hmm. and if you're uncomfortable, you're going to get picked off. So what do you? What try. ones do you use? I use the ones from Latitude. Um, okay. What I really like about those, so I know I talked to you um, off air through text a little bit, and you were saying you're going to go with the Trophy Line ones. The Trophy Line ones um, are great knee pads, and especially at the price point, they're freaking awesome, but um, what I don't like about them that I didn't even know I didn't like until I got the Latitude ones is the top of the knee pad. I'll have to show you, um, I'll have to like send you a video or something, but... The top of the pad, so it's kind of... It has a crease, and then there's padding up here. This portion would go on your, like, above your knee, and then this part right here is where your knee is. This bends, and then you have your okay. pad. The trophy line's a solid piece, so when you walk, they don't move. It gotcha. doesn't bend with you. The um, latitude ones, they bend with you, so they don't ride up, they don't ride down, and they're really comfortable, and it's elastic, so it moves. Um, and then they use uh, Vibram soles on them. So they're, they're really stout. Again, yep. uh, another one of those things that I think is, uh, overbuilt, like there's too much there. You don't need as much padding as they give you, but, um, going, I use the trophy line ones and then I use the latitude ones and having that mobility in your knee pad makes, you don't even know they're on. You strap I them on see that, yeah. and, and you're good. So. That's uh, yeah, I would, I would check those, those out. Now, they are expensive. I think like tethered's knee pads and latitude's knee pads are like $70, Jeez. which is really expensive for knee pads, especially when you can mm-hmm. buy the trophy line ones for 30. Um, So that's something to think about, but it's also one of those things. You only need one pair. You buy, right. them, you buy them once, you don't need a bunch of them.
1: Yeah. And something I did too, and I don't know why this made me think of this. We were talking about ropes and having stuff hang all over you. I hate, I hate ropes even on my sticks. So, I made my own rope mods last year, and I put, I got like a twenty dollar basically dump pouch. That's so like a, it's like a military pouch that I put underneath the seat of my, uh, Hilo, mm-hmm. and that's where all my sticks, uh, ropes go, mm-hmm. and I think I'm gonna do that with one of these platforms because you can get low profile ones that just open up like a clamshell um, and put it on the bottom of my and that'll be like when I get to the stand or the base of the tree I take all my ropes out right there and then I hook them to my sticks and I put my sticks if I'm going up with I I imagine I'm going to do this with a saddle as well but when I'm hanging my helo I hang everything off my my safety harness yeah. and that's something I moved to this year as well is I moved to a rock climbing harness for a safety harness. I don't use a full body harness anymore and I'll never go back. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a $50 black diamond, just rock climbing harness. It's low profile. I can hang stuff off of it and there's nothing in my way here filming wise. Cause you always get a tether that's behind you. I hate that. You yeah. know how many times I've killed deer where the deer came in behind me or something, I had to unhook that, and I'm not hooked to the tree. I've killed probably three or four deer that way, and then clip it back on. Forget that. like. Yeah. And I know you can make the tether really long so it loops down. No, screw that. So like in all the footage you see of me this year, it's going to look like I'm not wearing a harness, but it's because I'm wearing a rock climbing harness. So back to my my rope mod even if i do the buckles and stuff like that i'll put them in a pouch when i get there i'll take them all out get them ready put them on my sides i climb up grab it put it on and keep going it's to me most efficient quietest and i always thought i needed to be up in the tree in 9 minutes no if you can go quietly and slowly it's going to be quick you're going to be fine
0: yeah that's one of the um that's a really good point a lot of guys see like the saddle stuff and one of their goals with it is to be able to get in the tree faster and i would not have that as a goal of mine if someone asked me like hey i want to start saddle hunting because i want to get in a tree faster i'd say like you need to change your mindset right away because the goal is to be quieter it's not to be faster and i talked to um, dan infault about this a little bit when we hunted with him in wisconsin and he hangs his set painfully slow Like he does, he hangs it slow. Dan does, yeah. Like he was, uh, he was hunting with someone that he was like yelling at them because they were moving too much and going too fast. And he was like, You need to slow down. And they said, Like, he'll like it's like painfully slow to where like you don't even, you can't even move that slow. Like when he's going up the tree and taking those steps, like he's just inching very slow with his leg to get up. Wow. Then he sets it. So he's like, he doesn't, it's not quick for him, but it's quiet. So that's one of the, that's a really good point. I'm glad you made that. Um,
1: And that's something I need to be better at. I'm not that slow, but I'm like, I don't know. I've never timed myself hanging a tree stand, but I would like to think I'm probably 12 to 15 minutes, which I don't know if it's slow or fast, but there's (laughs) times. I remember this, (laughs) I remember a sit this year. I go by myself. I'm at my family farm. And, uh, I'm at the base of the tree and I go to hang one of my sticks on, I have like gear ties or no, I'm sorry, paracord that I put around the versa button. And that's how I, on my hip, well, I'm doing it when I'm not looking and I'm just like reaching back like this and I miss the loop and it falls and it hits my stand. And you could have thought vietnam was going on with a bomb like that's how loud it was and i literally go in my head i yell at my, i'm yelling at myself in my head like slow down just freaking stop i'm between two cedar swamps that i feel like deer are betting in and i'm just like you need to slow down and i get up finally i get up and it wasn't much long after that i had that pope and young come out and i'm like and around here that like that's what i'm trying to kill like that's right that's an anomaly, <laughs> you know, like that's, um, but no, it's, that's slow as fast, fast as yep. slow or however that saying goes. So.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing or too, smooth as fast with the rock climbing harness, there's finally a hunting company that's making those, um, Are there, marketed is there? To, yeah, it's called Dre. Um, okay. I forget what it's called, but it's literally just like a belt and it just has leg like straps and it's a belt and it moves with you around the tree like when you move like this it's on a carabiner and it Oh nice. You can swivel your hips. And they have a they have a really cool system. I'm 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 trying to learn more about it, but they have a pouch built on the side of it that a saddle pops out of. So it's like What? Yeah, it's like a um the material for the saddle like pops out of it and you clip it in and you have a saddle, but it rolls up in this bag almost like a hammock. Hmm. yeah it it like rolls up inside itself and it it lives on that um on that belt so it's like you wear a belt in that just has a pouch on it then you get to the tree and uh you can either decide like if you're gonna hunt and hang on you don't need the saddle portion of it so it's just your harness and then if you want to hunt out of it like a saddle you pop that open you have your bridge and uh it all kind of hooks together it's a pretty pretty neat system a lot of guys Hmm. love it i've never seen it or messed with it um but I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about what, what they have because the um, the saddle hunting forums on Facebook are extremely, um, there's a lot of people that use them. There's a lot of information out there, and it's very active is the word I was looking for. And a lot of people are like, oh, what's the best saddle? What's the best saddle? You won't see a forum that doesn't have that company mentioned. so Really? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested to learn more about that. Also, I'm interested to learn how you like the the trophy line because it's funny how um trophy line made like the original saddles you have those yep they were like neoprene um just mm-hmm. heavy just like not not mm-hmm. good saddles and i
1: don't want to be like a basher but it like at the time it was like the cadillac because there was nothing else but right. now looking back and see what we have now it's like that thing was a cumbersome piece of poop, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because like all the guys that I know that have used it, because they used it, they got out of saddle hunting. It's like they used that and then got out of it, and now uh trophy line's back in the game and they're making some of the best stuff. I've yeah. never I've never messed with their physical saddles, but um I really like the platforms and the knee pads. I like everything those guys are doing. Um so I'm interested to hear how you like the saddle Is that saddle uh, a pleated saddle Or is it just one panel
1: One panel So it's a one panel Which I don't know if I'm going to like it or not But I've only I've only ever hunted, Saddle hunted out of a one panel So, mm-hmm. But one thing is I don't know how big A lot of the saddles are from the top to the bottom But this one I feel like is bigger Like there's more room yeah. You know what I mean To move your butt up and down wherever you want Um, so I do like that. One thing that they had in the initial ambush was that there was no clip here. Mm -hmm. It was just this and it was, I hated it. The clip is awesome and they're quiet, like really quiet to do that. And the leg straps, they have these little quiet ones as well. That was loud because I'm one handed, but I love the bridge loops. They're big, they're sturdy, hard to see probably. Um, and then these little loops here are for your lineman's belt. Yep. So it's not that heavy, really, to me. And, and now I've I've never had another saddle in my hand but a trophy line, so I don't know compared to a latitude or a tethered or whatever saddle like where it compares. But I like the gray. I'm a gray guy, um, and it's got a ton of Molly options. You know, if you want to put anything on it for Molly loops. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to try it. I wish it was still hunting season so I could get out there and I didn't get it till like right after hunting season, so I've just been wearing it around the house. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Do you plan on um hanging your sticks from the Molly when you're climbing?
1: So yes. I've been looking at Genesis 3D printing mm-hmm. their kind of, their stuff, and I'm like do I do that or like get something to hook on to my saddle somehow that way? Or do I just do what I did with my stand and put, um, um, whatchamacallit, uh, a paracord with a loop there and just looping it? I don't know. We'll see. I'm a cheap ass, so I'll probably be doing paracord. That's <laughs> um, what I do.
0: Yeah. I put a paracord loop on the step, and then I have those s beaner. Um, yeah. Trips, yep. And I take one of the uh, hinges off, just break that off, so it's just a hook, and I loop those on. And I, I'm like yourself; I only use three sticks. So I hang one, and then I have one on this side, one on this side, so I can just climb up, poop, and I'm good to go. So what do you really use for system. sticks? I'm running the beast sticks. Okay. Uh, three three beast minis. I have four, but I just never I never put four on a tree this year, so I'm just gonna stop carrying four with me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my I'm a two step guy. I like having two of those. Uh,
1: I've got these ones as well. Yeah. The Novick's double steps. I
0: have to have two. Um, a lot of time, I just, especially if you're hanging a platform or something, I just like to be level. And then if I got in a situation where I know it's like paying too close attention to like the what ifs, but if I get my top stick hung and a deer starts coming and I don't have my platform hung, if I can stand on that top stick level and pull my bow up and shoot, like, I, it's probably not going to happen. But if it were to happen, like, I want to have that option. I don't want to be standing like this, uh, staggered. I did that for a year. And if I had like a hunt for an hour or two, my first year saddle hunting, I would, I use the XOP, um, they were like the full-length XOP sticks, and they're mm-hmm. staggering steps. And I would stand on the top and the middle one, and I, it was so uncomfortable. But those sticks were so heavy, I didn't want to bring anything else with me, like a platform or anything. So um, that's I'm a two-step guy all the way.
1: My plan or my thoughts in my head right now is to bring two of these with the one steps, and then my third one be this double. Mm-hmm. Because this could be my last step. You know what I mean? Like everybody, all my buddies, all my closest friends, they're all saddle hunters. And they're the ones back in the day when I was doing it, thought I was an alien. <laughs> so they're the ones doing it now. That's funny. But no, I just I just got to give them a hard time. But everybody's like double step, double step, double step. Those guys have bought more steps in the last two years. I mean, they have probably, between all of them, they probably have every, they got shikars. They got The ninjas—they've got Lone Wolf custom gear. They have, you know, I don't even know what else. But they're buying all these steps, and I'm thinking mix and match because these right here, this is light. Yeah. This is 17 inches. This is I weighed. It's 1.2 pounds right there. You know what I mean? And one of these doubles is two pounds, right at two, right just below two pounds. So it's like it's almost another. I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking about messing around with that a little bit, but everybody's like they're saying doubles, doubles, doubles because they like to sit at the top, and I'm I'm a monkey. I don't get afraid of heights at all, ever. Like I could be up there without a lineman strap on and doing it, but it's just easier. So I don't know. I'm going to play with it. I have both of these steps in the long steps as well, so I've got a lot of options. But um, with my Hilo, I have those. Uh, I just watched your guys' gear gadget I don't even know how long, guys. You put it out, but you guys did one on um, when you did the rattle, oh, the head yeah. rattle deal yeah. when Chad had that, yeah. and then another one. Of your guys, I don't even know who that was actually had the stick quiver. Yeah. Jizz. So I have yeah I have two stick quivers that I'm kind of messing around with. The only reason why I haven't fully went into the stick quiver is because I like to you know how Lone Wolf and Lone Wolf Custom Gear have the seat as your platform and put your pack on it. With the stick quiver, I haven't figured out a way to do that yet Mm -hmm. because I like putting my pack on that. I hate having a big, huge, bulky pack that you have to put your stand on it. I will never do it because I sweat going into the stand and that pack just makes your back sweat even more. That's why I go with the fanny.
0: Yeah, that's smart. Um, So, So we've been going for about 55 minutes here. I uh, don't want to overlook the new arrow setup. I want to hear more about that. What what are the new arrows you went with this year? Oh
1: boy. Um so I went with best uh, wow well, vector custom okay. gear, the vectors. And uh I've been talking to Isaac about it, and I went with the hammer, I believe it is. Yeah, and, I think that's their only one. Yep. And I think my FOC is gonna be like right at 17 percent And if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be 580 grains, I believe. So last year I was hovering around that 480 to 490. I can't remember what the full setup was. And I did really well with it, but I wanted to go a little heavier. So um, it's going to be a four-fletch. I've never done a four-fletch. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm excited to get them and shoot them. I'm going to shoot them this winter in my basement. I've got a big enough basement where I could shoot So I'm going to shoot like crazy with those things. They're actually on their way, Um, and I'm going to shoot. I went to 125-grain head last year, and I don't know if I'll ever go back. Dude, I, I might even go bigger. Who knows? But 125 has been my bow. I shoot a Matthews V3, and it just tunes so well with that broadhead and that arrow setup. So I, with the arrow setup, I had I shot gold tips last year, but this year I'm gonna do the Vector custom, and uh, we'll see how those goes. But I'm excited, a little bigger, and uh, I penetrated like crazy. That's what I wanted. I wanted more penetration last year. I blew through bo- or two deer, and then my third or my Ohio buck, I shot him in the chest, and it went all the way through him. You know, and it was, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't have been more happy. So I,
0: I ordered a set of the vector custom arrows last year and <clears throat> I shot uh serious Apollo arrows the last two years. And I think my total weight was like five fifty, And I went into this year with only four arrows and Oh really? Yeah. And I was like, man, I shoot these really well, but I only have four of them. Um, I need to order some new arrows. And I was like, those vectors look really nice and it's soup. The, the um, algorithm they use it's so easy you plug it so easy numbers in and they spit it out back to you and they spit you the arrows and it's great um but those arrows with the suggested setup came in 60 grains or 40 grains heavier than what i was shooting so i couldn't shoot them this year because i didn't want to it was too close to season i didn't want to change so i rocked and rolled with the four serious arrows um I actually broke one, so I only had three left. So, oh gosh, I was, I was cutting it close. But anxiety,
1: dude, I yeah. did the same thing.
0: <laughs> sure. I, I got I got away with it, but I have the Vector Custom arrows sitting in my office, and they're they're five ninety six. They're heavy as heck with one hundred twenty five. That's a heavy arrow. In. Yeah, and as I mean, so. With this podcast, I have a um, bonus episode every two weeks with a guy named George from Fireknock, and he absolute he's like 44th patents in the archery space, like the absolute smartest man in archery, absolute genius. And he looked me in the face and told me I was an idiot <laughs> for shooting for a heavy, doing the for shooting a heavy high FOC arrow, yeah. So, really? Yeah, so if, if, you're, if you're in love with that, don't listen to any of those podcasts because you're going to be really mad at yourself.
1: I, I guess in short, what is his reasoning for not with, having a heavy arrow?
0: With, um, so all the Ashby reports, everything that Ranch Ferry's doing, uh, all the hype around high, heavy FOC arrows, all the Ashby reports are designed on um, traditional bows. So not a modern bow with an 85, 85% or greater let-off. Once you start putting that 85% let-off number into play, the efficiency and everything changes, and the way your arrow behaves after that, all of it changes. And I'll just give you a quick example. So this doesn't even come from Georgia Fireknock. This comes from the engineer of Matthews. So I had him on the podcast and I asked him the same question. I said, what's your arrow setup?" And he shoots a 375 grain arrow. And I was like, what? Like I shoot a 600 grain arrow. And he was like, that's the worst thing you could do. So
1: I don't believe that. Matthew- You'd have to do a lot of convincing to, for me to believe that.
0: Well, I'm going to give you some numbers here. So <laughs> okay, everyone that makes modern bows, everyone that like Alt, prime Matthews, Hoyt, every one of them, They build their bows to perform the best with IBO ratings, 350-grain arrow. So every one of those bows is going to perform the best with the 350-grain arrow. And he said they did a test with a 400-grain arrow and a 600-grain arrow. And um, at, I want to say, 20 yards... Or third, no, no, at 40 yards, you lost 18% of your trajectory with a 600 grain arrow. So your arrow is doing so, it's
1: already dropped that much.
0: Yeah. So compared to a 350 grain arrow, so your trajectory went like that compared to a a flat shooting arrow. Um, So what's happening when your trajectory is going like that, you're losing energy. Energy is what use like you need energy for penetration so if your arrow and your your bow and your arrow are working together perfectly at IBO speeds you're putting the most energy into that arrow as possible so that's um that's the engineer's perspective from it like you just lose way too much of your trajectory and energy with a high FOC build they just say it's it's not worth it like you can pass through a deer At 30 yards, 20 yards with a fast arrow. 100%. So I haven't dove into the test with Dorj at Fireknock yet. He's doing a test that's going to take him two weeks where he bought a Doppler radar and he's going to have heavy arrows and then everything in between and show how much energy loss is, um, how much energy is lost downrange with modern bows. Um, Everything, all of that is with a bow that's shooting, I want to say, um, 280 feet per second or greater. So if you're shooting less than that, none of this matters. The high FOC is going to help you out. But once you go above those uh, speeds, everyone's like, oh, I need a faster bow. I need a faster bow. And then you put a 700 grain arrow on it and you just defeat the purpose of having a fast bow. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know all the specifics yet. I don't have it all dialed in, but I know he's going to break it down. And, and he's just, he's a very smart guy. It's, this is like physics based. This isn't like, um, I mean, it's all backed up by physics. So I'm paying attention to it. I have not bought lighter arrows yet, so I'm not switched over, but I'm paying attention to it just for the, the fact that, um, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I like the numbers. And if you can prove something to me with numbers then I'm going to be like, okay, what this is what it is. But this year I shot through a deer, the full length of his body with a heavy arrow setup could i have done that with a light setup i don't know i don't shoot one but i don't have any issues with mine right now did you shoot a deer in the chest this year no he was actually like almost facing away like super quartered away okay and i put it like right in front of his back ham and just blew through came out the front of his chest anyway man i'm not going to take up any more of your time Um, yeah you're good I, i really appreciate you coming on um I don't, I don't know. It seems it's really easy to talk to you. So I, I really appreciate that. This is going to be yeah, one, no of my, problem. one of my better episodes. So um, I appreciate you
1: having me, dude. Thank you.
0: If anyone wants to hear more from you, check out your podcast, see what you got going on in your life. Where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Um, anywhere where you download a podcast, uh, look up the fall podcast, uh i drop a new one every tuesday morning well i try every morning but it's every tuesday so you'll get one every tuesday i'm creeping up on my two hundred, two hundredth 200th, 200th episode so it's pretty cool it's all strictly whitetail stuff i do throw in some turkey stuff during turkey season just to stay relevant with the but uh yeah that's uh look at me on social media instagram the fall podcast facebook same thing and uh yeah that's that's basically it
0: when your hunt footage comes out where's that go
1: I uh, don't know where that's going to go yet. Everybody will be able to see it. We're still trying to figure that out right now. Um, I've got two hunts, Illinois and Ohio. The Michigan one was not filmed, but um, those will be out. And when it gets closer, I will let everybody know, and I'll let you know. So if you do want to disperse it or something, you'll see.
0: Great. Yeah, thanks, man.
1: Thank you.